Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Abide in Liberty. Uh, In the news has been a lot about this spending bill that Congress or that the House of Representatives passed to deal with the debt ceiling issue and to make sure that we have a budget going forward. And, you know, the whole issue of government spending and debt and the debt ceiling in particular um, is enough to make you a little bit queasy and nauseous. You know, this goes well beyond just a disappointment that maybe something that I might prefer um, didn't go the way that I want to. So my goal here is to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and show the rot and the problems that are hiding behind the curtain so that you can feel as sick about this. First of all, let's get the facts straight. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk in the news that we have to pass this bill or we're going to default on our debt, and then we'll never be able to get loans again. Government will crumble, and it'll be the end of American life as we know it. That was never true. You know, when those those debts and those payments came due, the government still had the option to either default on our debt and usher in Armageddon, or, you know, close down some other non-essential agencies for a while while they figure this out. So, if if default was going to be a thing, it would be the result of a deliberate choice. We were not going to accidentally fall over that cliff if we didn't pass this bill within a certain amount of time. So the urgency, first of all, was um, a little bit fabricated. The other thing that's important to understand is that the the result of this, you know, Democrats, Republicans, and the House struck was that we're going to ignore the fact that there is a debt ceiling until January 2025. So, you know, it's not like these debt ceilings just pop up. These aren't random occurrences that just jump out of nowhere. We had no way to anticipate it. Our forethought and our good planning is we're just going to kick it down the road another year and a half. Not only that, but we're going to hold ourselves to 2022 spending. Now, when we talked about inflation now a couple of weeks ago, the one thing that I didn't address was the role that government spending has on inflation. So when the government spends money, it's typically spending on employees, on purchasing supplies, purchasing ammunition. You know, that that money that the government spends typically goes out into the economy. It ends up in the pockets of people. So when the government spends a lot more money, like it has been in recent years, as we know, too many dollars chasing too few goods results in inflation. So on top of all the other inflationary pressures that we've had, reckless government spending has just exacerbated that problem. So now, and that is certainly true. When inflation was already running rampant, we continued to spend like crazy people. And so we can't really expect inflation to get any help from the government based on this decision to just hold ourselves at 2022 levels. That is not a good standard to hold ourselves to. In your house or in my house, if you have a child that is spending out of control, you know, maybe yeah, you've given them a little bit of leash and given them a credit card, which terrible idea anyways, but that's a that's a, a topic for another day. But let's say that's the case and they're approaching their credit limit because they've been reckless. What would any reasonable person do? 
Well, the last thing you would do is give that child an endless supply of credit cards with no limits whatsoever. So what we've done in the government is just given that child a new credit card with no limits whatsoever. In a typical household, when you have debt, your ability to pay that debt becomes more challenged because more and more of your income is going to make those debt payments. And eventually, if you continue taking on debt, eventually you run out of the ability to to pay those bills. The money runs out and the result is bankruptcy. Um, You have to sell everything you can to try and pay off your creditors. With a government, especially the federal government, it's a little bit different. Rather than declare bankruptcy, that is an option. Actually, the government could just default on its loans and have to go through that nightmare and mess or print more money. And countries that have tried that um, that path before end up dealing with more and more inflation. And as inflationary pressures take more, greater and greater hold, it kind of creates this death spiral that is almost impossible to get out of without just going through some immense pain. Now, this budget cycle, both the Democrats and the Republicans, this should not be a partisan issue. I know there's kind of one party that is branded as being the crazy money spenders and the other ones are the conservatives, supposedly, that have conservative and and responsible financial policies. But let's be honest, neither of these parties have been responsible with money in any kind of recent history. With inflation out of control, a struggling economy coming out of COVID, and no good options for dealing with either of those things that don't create a whole other host of problems, not to mention the fact that we've been spending ourselves into oblivion, the Democrats and the Republicans had the opportunity to look at all these facts and behave like adults. And they didn't. I I don't know what they were thinking, but this move um, to ignore a debt ceiling when where where we are and to not come to an agreement on how to spend money at at this stage of where we are economically you know if this were the first offense like we were talking about with that child right the first time they kind of make these bad decisions there should be some consequences and they should lose those privileges um so every person who voted for this this terrible bill if if they can't look at the writing on the wall and realize we've got to make some hard decisions to save our country. We're not the ones for the job. Someone else needs to be in there. But the sad news is this is not a first offense at financial of financial irresponsibility. We've been spending out of control for quite a long time. So first of all, I want to distinguish. So spending is just your overall budget, how much you're going to spend in a given year. Debt is accumulated as you spend more than you're bringing in as a country in tax revenue. So I want to take a look at the history of the national debt for a second. So in the founding of our nation, um, our debt was about $75.5 million. Now that's a huge number personally, but compared to the numbers we're going to look at with where the national debt is today, that is a minuscule amount. And we would be lucky to be back at those kinds of levels. Now, a short uh, 40-ish years later, in 1835, that debt had been paid down at an incredible 34 
$1,000 for the entire country. That's a debt that you or I could manage in our lifetime. The entire national debt of this country could have been handled by a single individual. Now, there's a lot more money back then, but still maybe five individuals then out of the entire population. That is incredible. 25 years later, that had climbed back up to $65 million. From there, it climbed up to $2.7 million, sorry, $2.7 billion just five years later in 1865. And that's going to be the result of wartime debt. This is the period of the Civil War, and the Union had to take out debt in order to finance that war. 30 years later, they had paid that debt down by a billion dollars. So they decreased it from $2.7 billion to $1.7 billion just 30 years later. Unfortunately, from there, it was a steady climb up. Um, There were spikes during times of war where we took out more and more debt and crossed the $1 trillion threshold in national debt in 1985. In 2012, it had grown from $1 trillion to $16.5 trillion. So this is kind of after the all the major bailouts and increase of debt that happened during the financial crisis beginning in 2008. And then from 2012 to now, we climbed from $16.5 trillion to $31.5 trillion. It took us less than 40 years to take that $1 trillion and grow it, to to increase it by a factor of more than 30. Now, you might say with more people, you know, we might be able to justify more debt or it might be necessary. Okay, so let's look at the per capita growth. So back in 1971, the per capita national debt was 72 bucks. $72. If If every person pitched in 72 bucks, wiped out. Today, it is $94,800 per capita. That is a 132,000% increase. But what about inflation? That $72 isn't worth the same as it is today. So what would that look like in inflationary terms? That must describe that difference. Well, all right, maybe you have a point there. Even adjusting for inflation, the per capita national debt from the founding of our country to today has increased by 4,122%. Now, the debt level that the country had accumulated during the Revolutionary War, they, they were worried that this debt was going to crush them, especially in the weakened economic state that they found themselves after the Revolutionary War. We should be petrified now that it that that debt level has grown on a per capita inflation adjusted basis by more than 4122%. The fact that we're in a weakened economic condition should be a major wake up call to every person in this country and even more so to every person on Capitol Hill whom we have entrusted to manage the affairs of this country. Inflation is out of control, interest rates are rising, which makes it more difficult to pay for the debt that we already have. Spending the last couple years is out of control. So what do we do? What do we agree on as the solution for all of this? We're going to ignore the debt ceiling and keep spending the way that we've been spending? We're trying to make it easier for us to incur debt. What in the world were they thinking? And why in the world is this just 
passing by with, yes, a little bit of, you know, um, a little bit of grandstanding in the media. This is the type of stuff that should have people in the streets making their voices heard. But it's, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna get attention for a few days and then it's just gonna go away. So that's why I feel sick to my stomach. I mean, I remember, remember having the distinct impression back in 2008 when our economy was weak and the government's decision was to just spend tons of money to bail these poorly performing banks out. I remember thinking at some point we're going to reach a tipping point. How much more debt can we handle? And then what happens when the next economic crisis happens and we haven't even recovered? Well, that that's where we are. And they not only have added a little bit to the debt, they've almost tripled it since then. This is bad news. Now, before I talk about what we can do about this, um, because it does seem and feel incredibly daunting, um, I want to talk about what the Constitution has to say about finances, because the Constitution is relatively silent on finances and on debt. So here's what it does say. It talks about, we've talked about this before, how Congress is responsible for levying taxes, for coining money, and for setting a budget. Amendment 14, this is actually, this one's interesting. It has come up recently. President Biden, when these debates over the budget were in deadlock, came out stating that Section 4 of Amendment 14 gave him authority to ignore the debt ceiling and spend more anyways because Amendment 14 wouldn't allow the United States to default on a loan. So, you know, he throws that out there and it gets trumpeted around media, but I wonder how many people actually went and read that paragraph. If if you were like me and you didn't do that at the time when you heard this, here's your chance to hear what that says. It says, um, and also let me give you a little context. Amendment 14 was passed immediately following the Civil War. And what was happening at the time was both the North, the Union, the winning side, and the South had incurred a large sum of debt in order to finance the Civil War. Once the South came back into the Union again, the South wanted the United States of America, the Union, to pay for the debts that they had incurred in their rebellion. Now, the Union, of course, said, uh, no, <laughs> we're not going to bail you out financially for the cost of rebelling. I mean, that that's going to like, uh, that's going to make it Uh, more likely for other people to want to rebel, right? Hey, I can try this rebellion thing. And if it doesn't work, I get a slap on the wrist and the government fronts all the money. I mean, can you imagine how many more civil wars we would have if that were a policy that we were to adopt? So we didn't adopt that. And instead, uh, Congress paid the debt that the union had, um, had needed to take out in order to put down the rebellion of the South. But the South was responsible for its own debts. The federal government was not going to step in and bail, bail them out of that. And in order to codify that, this section of Amendment 14 was passed. So Amendment 14 dealt with slavery and, and rights of all people, regardless of race. But this specific section was meant to deal with this debt issue and which debts were legitimate, which debts from the Civil War were legitimate, and which, which ones were not. So it says, the validity of the public debt authorized by law including the debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrections or rebellion shall not be questioned. So, so when the union said, no, we're not, the federal government is not going to pay the confederacies, the South's civil war debts. The South's response was, well, okay, that's fine. 
but then the federal government shouldn't be paying the debts of the North either. And this amendment made it very clear that no, the federal government is going to honor those. So that was the purpose of this amendment. Yeah, Biden, when he looks at this and and sees um, sees that they're in a stalemate over this budget debate, somehow interprets into that the intent of of this amendment and those who passed it. You know, somehow what they actually meant was 160 years down the road when we can't get our spending under control and our debt ceiling is being reached, we get to just blow by that and ignore it. And of course, there's no logical argument that can be made that that was the intent of that amendment. So again, just another attempt by a politician, and all parties do this, to reinterpret the Constitution to fit their views rather than going through the amendment process to change the Constitution. Now, I have often wondered why why was there not more spoken of about debt and spending in the Constitution? Well, they saw debt as a necessary evil, especially in times of war. When someone attacks you, the government needed the ability to raise debt in order to defend itself, which makes sense, especially at the beginning of our nation when we were weak. We just came out of a lengthy war ourselves and were saddled with debt. And without that debt, without loans from France, we would have never been able to gain our independence. Also, debt was just kind of the norm. That was just how governments operated and how societies had operated from the beginning of time. So they didn't have great you know, uh, examples to pull from to be able to say anything deeper. Not only that, but many of the founders were traveling to the Constitutional Convention on borrowed money because they'd just been so completely wiped out during the Revolutionary War. Perhaps they relied on us to make a better and not a worse world for our posterity. Maybe they assumed that people like you and I would vote people out if they weren't keeping spending in check. Whatever the case, there wasn't a whole lot in there. There wasn't a whole lot about if we should have debt or how much. It's just completely silent on that, leaving it up to the political process to make those determinations. So what do we do about this problem? You know, my one of my first inclinations is we need an amendment. But then I, I remember that it was Benjamin Franklin that said that the more depraved and immoral our society becomes, the more we have need of masters and laws to keep us in check. So I wonder if by passing amendment, are we simply limiting freedom and flexibility in order to deal with a lack of self-restraint, self-control, and moral integrity? So how long would that last? You know, passing an amendment like that might allow us to plug our finger in the hole of the boat and slow the leak, but how do we solve the underlying problem? my my belief is that this is another symptom of a lack of virtue and righteousness and morality in our country. You know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also, like the United States, began heavily in debt. Now, the church, when it paid off its debt, stayed out of debt, spent well under its income, and saved up lots of money for a rainy day. Now, if our government had done the same thing, had exercised self-control, had spent below what we were making, and saved up a rainy day war fund, imagine, just imagine how strong this country would be if we had built our economy and our country on wealth and equity 
if from that moment forward, we had had no debt whatsoever and not a dollar had gone since 1835, if we had spent the last 200 years not paying a dime toward interest, we know that there's going to be a tax on our border, that there's going to be problems. So why don't we save for it rather than spending everything we've got and then borrowing when we get into trouble? If we had followed as a country the principles that's spending less than you make, saving for a rainy day, imagine the prosperity and the strength that our country would have today. Now, I don't know what that would look like. It's hard to imagine because we've never seen a society that's tried it. The, The solution to all of this, like with so many of our other problems, is to fix our country's soul. If we continue to spend out of control, we're just accelerating our own demise. If we amend, pass an amendment to restrict spending and and kind of curb our most base impulses, we're only delaying our own demise. If we fix our soul and moral foundation, we can experience a complete course reversal. Now, it may be painful, and there's a lot of hard work that would have to happen to climb out of the hole that we've dug ourselves into. And maybe we use that amendment as a stopgap while we clean the inner vessel. We've got to make a massive about face, and we've got to do it fast. And I think the only way is if we re-enthrone the values of self-reliance, of hard work, of uh, getting rid of this this, uh, culture of entitlement, and returning to the basic values and principles of a God-fearing people. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.